Hey everyone, Michael Wall here. Welcome into the Invest Well Show. We have a great guest joining us via Zoom today, David Walker. He is uh, just a wonderful gentleman, got a great insight, knowledge, a wealth of knowledge, really, when it comes to fiscal responsibility. He was the former U.S. comptroller uh, for the government from 1998 to 2008. I'll let him tell you what that is because some of you might be like, what does that mean? Uh, he's also had many other accolades. He, he led the Peterson Foundation for some time, co-authored and authored actually many books. And his most recent one is America in 2040, Still a Superpower? Question mark. Great, great uh, book uh, to be picking up and looking at. So we just wanted to talk today a little bit about what is going on in society today on the Invest Well Show. All right, David, so thanks for joining us. I appreciate you taking a few moments. I know you're up there in Virginia and you just got done with your five mile run. So thanks for coming in. <laughs> thanks, Michael. Well, I didn't do the five mile run, but I did do uh, pickleball, which is the fastest growing sport in America. And I'm pretty good at that. So I play that about five days a week. And, and today I had Rotary. I'm a Rotarian as well, which is a worthwhile organization. I love that. I Well, I played pickleball two days ago with my wife and daughter, and uh, we had a great time. So we'll have to get out and do that sometime. All right. So, David, you've had quite a history, um, not only working as I, I'm calling it the lead accountant for the country, right? Making sure that there's accountability, making sure that fiscal responsibility. But why don't you share with the people um, you were appointed initially by Bill Clinton? Why don't you share with the people uh, um, your, that, what that position really is and sure. was and the goal there? Well, I was the seventh Comptroller General of the United States uh, and very unusual position. In English, it's more like the Auditor General and the Chief Accountability Officer of the United States. It's also the Chief Executive Officer of a legislative branch agency called the U.S. Government Accountability Office, better known as the GAO. Uh, it's, it, it's unusual and not just with regard to its role, but also uh, the fact that there's a 15-year term uh, you cannot be removed except by impeachment or joint resolution of Congress signed by the president and for specified reasons. Needless to say, I know we're both of principles and values and religious people. Uh, there's no way I was going to violate those principles. Uh, and I ended up serving for about 10 years because I accomplished two of my three desired objectives in that period of time. Mm. And ultimately, Pete Peterson, may God rest his soul, uh, who was dedicated to fiscal responsibility, uh, recruited me to start his foundation, the Peter G. Peterson Foundation, and stand it up and get it on the map. He convinced that I couldn't accomplish the third goal in the government, that I needed to be on the outside, and that's what I did. Hmm. That's wonderful. And as you were there uh, with the government and, and involved in what you did, and now that you're not there, what is what has caused your eyes to be open? What do you see that you didn't see before that you're like, wow, these are I mean, obviously you're writing some of these books, you know, American 2040 still a superpower, all, all of these things, fiscal responsibility, accountability. I think from the outside, a lot of times people can look at things and we know that the world is broken. There's no moral compass in a lot of ways. People are operating on on, on the I call it the um, WIIFM. What's in it for me? Right. Station. Sure. So from your perspective, David, what does this look like as far as what are some of the big problems you currently see that you've been exposed to because of being on the inside track? 
Well, first, the reason I left, my third objective was to try to get the Congress and the president to work together to make a down payment on our large and growing financial imbalance uh, and to hopefully put us on a path uh, that we can have you know, a sustainable fiscal policy, which is tax pending. So that will promote economic growth, individual opportunity, reduce the, the pressures of inflation, help us with regard to international national security and a variety of other issues, okay? Um, I came into government the first time, Michael, with Reagan uh, in 1983, and uh, I've had the opportunity to serve either in full or part-time positions for every administration but one uh, since Reagan. Uh, and what's happened since 1983 is uh, Washington has become much more partisan, much more ideological, much more uh, short-sighted, much more uh, crisis-oriented, uh, and... Uh, it's declined dramatically. Uh, let me give you an analogy as to what I'm con concerned about. You know, our, our, my biggest concern, obviously I'm concerned about our finances and we can come back to that. But you know, a lot of people talk about partisanship. My biggest concern is the ideological battle that we're fighting right now. Mm -hmm. We're fighting a battle between the, the, the basic principles and values under which this country was founded and that made us great mm -hmm. uh, and socialist state principles. Uh, and, and I also think it's important, and I talk about that extensively in my book, but the other thing I think we need to recognize is that we need to learn from the past, we need to learn from others in order to help for a better future. And let me just give you one last example here, Rome. Mm -hmm. Rome was the longest standing republic in the history of the world, mm -hmm. uh, also lost a republic and became basically an autocracy uh, and an empire for many years after that, hundreds of years after that. Rome fell for several reasons. Number one, fiscal irresponsibility, political incivility, moral decline, overextended military, and inability to control its borders. Do mm. those sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to learn wow. past, we need to learn from others, and we need to take steps to help prepare a mm. better future. Yeah, that's big. That's big. Now, did you feel so you really started to feel so what I'm hearing you say is you were in a place where you started to feel like some of the solutions that needed to happen, you were not able to do inside the curtain or inside the ropes uh, working with the government. You needed to get outside. What does that look like from from not only your perspective, but other, you know, other people of this country listening to this to say, how do we because yeah. I think a lot of people at their at their core, they know the system's broken they know that it's wrong. You know, we're seeing we're starting to see more people get involved with school boards. Uh, we're starting to people, you know, see parents get involved with curriculum in ways that they hadn't before. Part of this for me, quite honestly, is I'm saying, OK, you know, this is people are getting woken up. And I, and I think we've we've been a little bit too lazy as people. It's kind of like, let me just grow in my American dream and, and and not worry about what's going on around me. I love the quote from Dennis Waitley that says, my goal in life is to plant shade trees under which I will never sit. And we've kind of started even ourselves to adopt that several years ago. But I think there's more and more of a, a majority of people, certainly we'll call it the silent or whatever you want to call it, majority of people that are saying this is there's serious problems. You know, we can go back and talk about, you know, voting integrity and all of the other things that go along with that. But as a practical, real day to day, uh, beyond just being a father to your children and a mother to your children and a husband and a wife and grandparent and grand, you know, that kind of thing, which are all, I think, at the core of a lot of this. 
What are some additional real practical steps that that you would suggest that as a society sure. we need to be doing? Well, first, let me clarify why I left GAO. Um, and you touched on it in your remarks. When you're the Auditor General of the United States, formal title, Controller General of the United States, you're allowed to talk about what the problems are. Uh, mm -hmm. And if it's an operational issue, how do you make government work more economically, more efficiently, more effectively? You're allowed to make recommendations on that. But when you're talking about policy issues, you know, such as how much should we spend on mandatory spending? How much on discretionary spending? How much in revenue should we generate? What type of reforms are necessary in order to, uh, to address those issues and our structural deficit? You're not allowed to talk about solutions. You can't solve a problem wow. if you don't talk about solutions, all right? Uh, now, secondly, uh, you know, I think it's important that uh, I'm personally a big believer in the word stewardship. Uh, and what stewardship means is that when you're a leader, no matter what role you might have, your job's not just to leave things uh, do well while you're in power, not just to leave things better off when you leave than when you came, but to leave things better positioned for the future. Yeah. Uh, and our country is not discharging its stewardship responsibility in a number of ways, including with regard to financial and fiscal issues. Uh, you know, as an individual, um, you know, everybody can make a difference, but you can make a much bigger difference when you're working collectively, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, therefore, it's important that, you know, when you care about a particular issue, whether it be the school curriculum, uh, you know, whether it be putting our nation's finances in order, whether it be immigration, whether whatever it might be, it's important to look to organizations that exist that have a common purpose uh, and, and that are consistent with your principles and values. For example, I'm one of the national co-founders of a group called No Labels. It's for Republicans, Democrats, unaffiliated. For the record, I'm, I'm a political independent, uh, you know, that believe in uh, progress rather than partisanship, results mm -hmm. rather than re rhetoric, not, mm -hmm. not right, forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is mm -hmm. taking a number of steps to try to help break the gridlock, bridge the, the ideological divide to get things done uh, in Washington, and it's made some progress. I'm also involved in an effort to try to achieve a constitutional amendment uh, on for fiscal responsibility that will that will establish a credit card limit for the United States uh, and, right. and a targeted lower limit of debt to GDP so that we can promote economic growth, individual opportunity, enhance economic and, and national security over time. Because I'm convinced that that, you know, Washington's not going to not going to get the job done unless they're forced to get it done. And the way to force them to get it done is a constitutional amendment uh, and and having pressure from the people mm -hmm. that that the, their political risk is greater if they don't do something mm -hmm. than if they do. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like for people to get behind that charge? I love that notion. Sure. How do they how do they say, David, I love what you're saying. How do I get involved with that? How do I help put the pressure on? Sure, sure. First, we're no labels. It's nolabels.org. Okay. Uh, with regard to the second organization, it's let us vote for bba.org. Let us vote for bba.org. Uh, and interestingly, um, you know, you 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 may or not may or may not know, your listeners may or may not know that there's two ways to get a constitutional amendment. One way is how we've done 27 times. Two-thirds of the Senate pass a proposed amendment. They send it to the states, and if three-quarters of the states ratify it, it becomes part of the Constitution. 
The other way is, is our founders who were pretty bright people and forward-looking people envisioned that Washington might become so out of touch or out of control, or that the issue involved might be represent fundamental conflict of interest for the Congress, like controlling spending, term limits, campaign finance reform, that if two-thirds of the states filed applications for a convention to propose amendments among the states, that Congress was cut out. Wow. And that Congress just set the day place for the convention, and that convention meets for the purpose of proposing amendments, not for the purpose of rewriting the Constitution. Hmm. And if they can agree on something, one state, one vote in that situation, if they can agree yeah. on something, they send it to the states, and then three-quarters have to ratify. Hmm. We've made a lot of progress, uh, and uh, there'll be a lot more news on that in the very near future. So, so the key for people there is nolabels.org. They want to stay dialed into that. Nolabels.org and let us vote for a BBA.org. Those are just two examples. For a okay. BBA. For a, a BBA. Okay. We'll make sure well, we put no, that up. No, let on. us vote for There's no A. Let us vote okay. for BBA.org. Got it. We'll make, we'll make sure we put that up on screen. You can so Google it. You can, my, <laughs> in the interest of full and fair disclosure, my son works for Google. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> See, there you go. So you, you'll be you hopefully not shut down anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we'll definitely make sure we put that. I mean, listen, that is so important because I think a lot of people, um, you know, they're in the they're in the washing machine. They feel like this and that and this and that, which I believe is is part of the bigger, broader plan. Uh, if we talk about the globalist structure and all of that that goes with that. But without getting into that sediment, I think. You know, a lot of people are in a place where they they're they're kind of shell shocked a little bit and they're kind of like, I, what can I even do to help? Or is the country too far gone? I, you know, I, I don't know. And I think what you're saying here is is not too far gone. There's still a there's still a way out. Um, and even though we have all the debt on the system, we can change that. We can. And let's talk a little bit about the principles and values that the ideological battle is right now. Yeah. We were founded on certain timeless principles and values, some of which were limited but effective federal government, individual liberty and opportunity, personal responsibility and accountability, rule of law and justice under the law, um, fiscal responsibility and intergenerational equity, uh, and stewardship, which we've mm -hmm. talked about before. Mm -hmm. Those were some of our basic founding principles. They are timeless. They made this country great. At the same point in time, we believed in continued improvement, taking mm -hmm. steps to form a more perfect union over time, mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons that we have these 27 constitutional amendments, including the ones that gave women the right to vote and abolished slavery and did a number of different things. Okay. Uh, but now let's look at the socialist state principles advocated mm -hmm. by Saul Alinsky and others. Grow government, increase dependency on government, Take control of health care. Take control of education. Don't worry about deficits and debt. Uh, that's basically what's being advocated by the massives. Uh, and look what it's gotten us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big mess. It's a big mess. And I think that's so important. And so I love I love your voice, by the way, coming out and just saying, hey, I've been on the inside. I've been on the outside. 
I'm here to tell you that there is a path and there's a way. And again, we'll bring those nolabels.org and let us vote for BBA.org on screen again and have links wherever you're watching this. You'll be able to click and kind of find and follow and become a part. And I think that's the biggest encouragement is people get involved and they become a part. Let's transition just for a minute. David, if we can, let's talk about the economy markets wise financially. You had a you had a nice big uh, uh, a quote there for Mr. F- Mr. Fisher and the crew uh, <laughs> the other day on LinkedIn. I'm going to read it real quick and then let you respond. But your your uh, your post on LinkedIn said, <clears throat> I just fired Fisher Investments. They are not what they claim to be. They do not have any do not do not have performance based fees despite the strong inference to the contrary from their ads they did not come close to beating the market in the past year for me last week they lost two and a half times more than the stock market they had at least eight total dog stocks in their standard portfolio in addition their bond duration is too long giving market conditions and expectations and i read that i thought man talk about it somebody a, a dagger gosh it's like just call me into you know <laughs> But it's but what's interesting is I want you to talk about that in relation to obviously you had an experience personally with Fisher, but this is a lot of the other we'll call it larger big firms that are really just, you know, working with the masses. They're not really doing a boutique deep dive. You know, I call it the custom planning uh, that's necessary. What's your perspective of that? Well, let me give you a little bit about my experience. Yeah. First, they start off they start off like many financial planners and investment advisors, and they try to get a sense for your risk tolerance or whatever, right? Uh, and then, you know, in case I happen to be 70 years old, I'm very healthy. My family has a long lifespan, so I'm in great shape. With God's help, I'll continue to be. Uh, but, you know, they, it, it's interesting. They said, well, you know, um, you're, you're, you have a history of long lifespans and therefore, you know, your investment horizon is very long. You know, I mean, your investment horizon is at least 25 years. So wow. they got back to a 70-30 equity to, uh, to fixed income. OK, uh, it's amazing how typically people get to 60, 40 or 70, 30, no matter what the situation is. That's kind of <laughs> Seems the fault, like right? you're so this. That, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So that was the first thing. The second thing is. You know, they, they lead you to believe that they have performance based fees. OK, well, mm. I mean, virtually every advisor, you know, when your account goes up, you, they're gonna make more money. OK, mm-hmm. when your account mm-hmm. goes down, they're still going to make money. Mm-hmm. They may not make as much, mm-hmm. but they're going to make money. Yep. But, but it wasn't a performance. I used to be assistant secretary of labor for ERISA, the yeah. Employee Retirement Income Security Act. Yeah. And we, we issued an exemption to where you could actually have performance based fees mm-hmm. where they got paid disproportionately more if you beat the market, disproportionately less. If you didn't beat the market, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what they were. Uh, thirdly, it, it wasn't customized. What they do mm-hmm. is they have a standard portfolio. Yeah. And it's not a mutual fund per se, but you basically own a piece of that standardized portfolio. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and they were in intermediate bonds with anybody with half a brain knew that interest <laughs> rates were going up, right? So why <laughs> the hell are you in intermediate bonds? Yeah. Everybody loves the seesaw. Part oh, yeah. I, oh, God. And then, and then the other thing that happened was I started – I started looking at like the 85 stocks, okay, that they had. Again, you own a piece of a standardized portfolio, right? Yeah. Uh, and and there was like eight or ten total dogs in there. I mean, mm. I mean, they had lost like 50 percent, 60 percent, and they're sticking sticking with them. They're sticking yeah. with them. And, yeah. and in fairness, in fairness, I communicated with them multiple times about this. Yeah. Multiple times, and I told them, I said, "Tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to wait a year." Turns out I ended up only waiting 11 months because of the experience I had in that one week, okay, which was horrible. But, but you know, I, I, I waited. I, I said, I'm going to wait, okay, let's see how you do. 
Let the numbers speak loudly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's why I made the decision I did. Now, things are tough now, right? Mm -hmm. Markets are very volatile. Mm -hmm. You know, now we've got inflation to deal with. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, if you got your money sitting on the sideline, you may not be losing money with regard to absolute dollars, but you're losing purchasing power because of inflation, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, interest rates are going up. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, market volatility is incredible. We may mm -hmm. be headed for a recession. And so yeah. you really need you really need people who are independent, who are professional who will take an individualized approach uh, to you uh, if you're going to end up you know, getting independent. I mean, yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. A lot of the financial market or consumers, you know, I call it how people are kind of fighting against one another. You got the person over here that's all they're doing is selling annuities. And this is the best thing since sliced bread and do this. And, and there are some annuities that have performed very well. Uh, yeah. And then there's some that are junk. And then you got the, you know, fee only. And then you got the broker and every consumer's like, who do I trust? What should I do? Um, I love what you said about uh, the time horizon and all that, because I always I always use this analogy when we're and when I'm wearing my other hat at U.S. Private Wealth uh, and Wall Private Wealth. We talk about the idea that, you know, this age old question, are you conservative, moderate and aggressive? And, you know, most people's responses are, well, you know, I, I really want to protect what I have, but I'd like to grow it reasonably also. Oh, you must be moderate. <laughs> well, isn't that a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the three, ba three bears theory. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. So, no, I'm totally with you. And, and, and I think that's why, you know, we, we talk a lot about the idea of a custom slash tailored approach. And, and you are right. A lot of these firms that are larger, they're, they're boilerplating and they have to. You know, I've talked to I was talking with an advisor uh, the other day with a, a large national brand. I won't mention the name. But he said, hey, I just got hired and I got I, I got I got promoted and I'm a vice president now. I was like you and four thousand other people in the yeah, country. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. it's it's this is not an accolade here that you want to necessarily tout upon. And so, I, I think that individual service really matters because you're right. Inflation is happening. Uh, you know, we look at it when we look at obviously the 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 Fed raising rates again, potentially another seventy five bips based on when you watch this, and all of these effects. You know, even even uh, Buffett himself years ago, you know, has said rule number one: don't lose money. Rule number two: see rule number one. Well, at the end of the day, if you're in the markets only, you're in a place where you are only slicing a piece of the pie. And I firmly believe one of the best ways to fight against inflation is to, first off, try and not lose money by using decoupled or non-correlated asset structures uh, and try and find opportunity where it goes. I also use this thought, and I want to get your op opinion on this, David, and that is the idea that money doesn't go away. It just moves. Um, and and, we, and I, I reference that in relation to the shift. You know, we call it shift happens, right? Which is people coming from the north down to Florida or California to Texas. And there's just flat out demand. Uh, what's your take on that on that structure and thought? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's supply and demand, right? I mean, you know, uh, people move, money move, and that has a, a significant impact on the market, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, some. Supply and demand is the uh, the basic bedrock principle of economics. So, absolutely. Last question that I have for you is this, and thank you for being generous with your time, uh, not only for myself but also our listeners. If you had to say, in your opinion, and obviously your your uh, foundation and your time and your expertise lies around a lot fiscal uh, responsibility, accountability, etc. Um, what would you say beyond 
the no labels and let us vote, which we'll put up on the screen for people, is something that we as a country can be saying, we got to come together on this notion. To tee up really for my book, Michael, uh, let me tell you what it's about. Okay. Uh, My latest book is American 2040, still a superpower question mark. And and the answer is yes, if, and no, unless, Mm -hmm. Uh, and what it is, it's a wake up call. It's a call to action and it's way forward. Uh, It's based upon my teaching at the Naval Academy, where I taught the economics of national security without a textbook. And after teaching for a year without a textbook, I pulled together a lot of material, wrote this book. It's for the general public. I published this myself. I'm not in the business of money, mm-hmm. you know, selling books. I do it to, to help people, to impart mm-hmm. knowledge, to try to stimulate action. And I actually think this is the best book I've ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can only get it online through either Amazon or Author House or Barnes & Noble. Uh, uh, my last book was published through a traditional publisher, and it was a national bestseller. But but mm-hmm. they take at least a year to get something out. So th- this is better. Yeah. The book has solutions in it, hmm. solutions with regard to a lot of the issues that we're talking about. In addition, the book also has in an appendix a list of a broad range of organizations that are trying to make a difference in a positive way, including the two that I mentioned, but many more other than, than that. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I think it would be helpful to people and, uh, uh, especially with regard to other organizations that they may want to consider becoming involved with. Well, I appreciate that. And I do know, you know, that, that self-authoring or self-publishing, whatever you want to call a book is, is, is what is the fastest to market. And, and I love the heartbeat behind that, David, because I know we chatted a little bit before and in different things in the past. And I, I, I just, I, I think that just watching your not only your career, but your consistency in conversation, uh, your passion for responsibility and accountability, that is at the heartbeat, I believe, of, of the core of many people. You know, last thing I'll share and, and, and get your insight on this, because you talked about off air a little bit, the idea of the greatest generation, the boomer generation, and, you know, those coming behind them, et cetera. I heard one time at Word of Life, this was in uh, Shroon Lake, New York. It was a Bible college. And there was a gentleman there that was speaking by the name of Howard Hendricks. Uh, he was a Dallas Theological Seminary uh, a pastor or, or a professor for years. He was the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And um, he had he had kind of taught a series. Now, this was years ago, um, dating myself. You know, Cyrus, my oldest, would say, Dad, back in the old 90s. Well, it was before the 90s, <laughs> way before the 90s. But he wrote a um, or he, he, he taught a series called um, uh, Seven Laws of the Teacher, which was tremendous, talking about the responsibility that the teacher has to the student, which I thought was so, so wonderful. Instead of saying, these kids today, and I can't believe them, you know, taking full responsibility. But I heard him speak at, at, at Shroon Lake and Word of Life, and he literally had, I mean, it was bigger, David, than a golf ball-sized tumor on his, on, his, on his head, and he was traveling around speaking. And he was talking specifically to the fact that the greatest generation, what we just talked about, are literally sliding for home when they should be now tearing it up, not only for the kingdom of God, but for sharing knowledge in general, because they have all the resources. Instead of going out and playing golf five days a week, go play pickleball and have fun, but make sure you're actionable and and involved in in saying, we got to change the structure. What is your thought to kind of get that group to say, man, quit focusing on just your next vacation, do it. Have a vacation, have fun, enjoy yourself, 
but let's make sure we're leaving legacy beyond uh, just dollars. You have to stay mentally and physically active. Um, you, you have to uh, be engaged. Um, it's, you know, giving back is a lifelong endeavor. Uh, I'm in a situation now where I don't have a job. You know, I do speaking, I do writing, I'm an advisor in, in, in certain situations, but I don't have a regular recurring paid job. Uh, but let me tell you, I'm involved in a lot of things where I give back, uh, most of which are not for profit entities or, or governmental entities. Like, for example, I'm, the, I'm on the Defense Business Board for the Department of Defense, okay? Uh, and I don't get paid a dime for that. But the, to me, as I said off air, I, um, I've dedicated more than half my life to public service in various ways. Uh, and one of my philosophies is life is about maximizing your self-worth, not your net worth. Mm -hmm. Life is about making a difference for others. All right. Uh, and, you know, w when you've when you're retired, you have time. Mm -hmm. And part of it is it's like portfolio management, right? I mean, how, how are you going to do your asset allocation? You know, mm -hmm. The asset in this case is your time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can tell you that you need to have a generous asset allocation uh, to trying to make a difference uh, and to try to discharge our stewardship responsibilities. Uh, and if we all do that, the collective impact of that will be very, very powerful. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, David, I've certainly enjoyed the conversation. I look forward to more in the future. And thanks for taking some time out of your day. And uh, thanks for getting a shower after you pickleballed, by the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. May God be with you. Hey, it's all good. Going to be blessed. And uh, have a good day. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Take care. Well, that's a wrap. What a great show with David Walker. Just an incredible guy. And I'm so thankful he took a few minutes to share his thoughts and ideas. Listen, I want to challenge you to... Make sure you're intentional about sharing this show with other people. You know, the last thing we want to do when we are connecting with other folks that are uh, passionate about improving our society is not share that information. And I think there's a lot of great information not only packed in this show, but things that others that you know need to hear. So whether you're listening to this via podcast, whether you're listening on YouTube, whether you found us at investwellshow.com or wherever you heard this show, I'm going to challenge you to share it with people that you know, people on your cell phone, uh, different people you're texting throughout the day. This is the way that we come together and change the country that we live in. If you care about this country, you will take the time and the effort to align people with this mission. Don't just forget about and say, wow, that was really good. I was encouraged by that. Wow, David's really right. I love his insight. And then move on and do the next thing. Because then nothing gets done. We must be actionable with the information that we've received. And you've just received some great information. I would encourage you to go pick up a copy of his book. That's going to be online here on the screen. You'll be able to see that link. You'll be able to see what the copy uh, looks like. Go get a copy of the book. Go join some of the organizations that he mentioned about as well that we popped up on screen earlier. And take the time again to share this with those that need to hear it. As always, my desire and goal in life is to help you live on purpose so you can live with purpose. Listen, if you got questions about your finances, what to do about your wealth, make sure you check out our sponsors, Wall Private Wealth, U.S. Private Wealth. They've been doing a wonderful job of helping families protect, grow, and reduce taxes on their wealth for a long, long, long time. All right. Be well, be blessed. Links there on the page as well. Talk to y'all soon.
Keep in mind, the information shared on this show is not to be considered investment advisory advice. For specific recommendations based on your situation, make sure you reach out to a professional, whether it be financial, accounting, tax, attorney, or whatever you may need to help you find the information necessary to make good decisions.